Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 344 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find awesome writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. And I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of the Mapmaker Chronicles and Ativan Cipher and soon to be the Firestar series. How are you, Al? Or A.L.? A dot L dot. <laughs> I'm not even I'm talk. fine dot middling dot. Um, no. <laughs> Bear dot middling dot. No, I'm fine. I'm um what am I doing? I, I'm actually in the process of reworking um some of my workshops uh, for oh. kids when I go to school presentations and things. So oh. um the content remains essentially the same, but I'm kind of rebranding the PowerPoints to to reflect you know, more Firestar stuff. So I'm kind Ooh. of reworking the angles and things like that. So just to kind of, because, you know, you go to workshops and you're there and you've, you're there for the purpose of, of you know, talking about writing and, and things like that. So you kind of have to slide your books in where you can. Mm, so that's yes. what I do. I didn't used to do it and and I kick myself because I probably wasted two years where I imparted awesome information at all times, but I wasn't also selling my books. So oh. now I'm a bit cleverer about the actual, you know, branding aspect of things, yes. which I think is Our something to think about. Back. Some of them are, yeah, some of them are and some of them aren't. Some of them are planned and I'm not sure if they're going to go ahead. Yeah. And, like, some of them are actually, like, later. Like, it, I, I've got bookings for October and mm. – um, you know, book week is in October this year. Nice. So it's it's not so much necessarily that I'm going next week, um, but more that um, it's kind of just all part of what I'm doing at the moment and getting ready for the Firestar coming out on the 1st of September. So I'm just trying to kind of think about everything cohesively and get myself organised so that I'm ready. Because um, there's this tendency at the moment for people to book you for things and then you'll be sitting there thinking, oh, that's never going to happen. Mm. Um, but if it does happen, you kind of need to be ready to do it. And so mm. I'm just trying to get myself ready to do it basically. Okay. Wow. Mm. Um, well, I'm sure they're going to be awesome. I must come. I wonder if I'd be allowed. I don't see think you in action. I don't think you can come at the moment. Aren't you sick of me? Like, really? Do you want to? See me? Do, you, do you actually want to see me in action? Given you've seen me in action in a thousand different ways, and you have to talk to me every single week as well. I've actually not seen you in action with kids. Oh, I've no, seen you in true. action a million times with adults. That's true. Oh, I don't that's need to say true. that. Again. I've seen but you I've in action seen... a million times. Yeah. <laughs> But with kids, no. so, you know, but, yes, I'm sure you're awesome. Oh, you know. <laughs> clearly and without a doubt. But, you know, you're going to be seeing me in action on the, what day are we doing it? The 12th of September, aren't we? That's doing right. We're doing a Facebook Live with Alison yeah. where I get to grill her. It's going to be fun. And if <laughs> creative, anyone has. Creative conversations. I always, when exactly. I see that, I always think, is the conversation going to be creative? Or we have, do I have to, like, perform on the spot or it's is it about creativity? It's a broad description, <laughs> but if anyone has any secret questions that they want me to ask Al, any deep probing questions, then <laughs> hey, let me know because I am your conduit that day. Although admittedly, if you join the Facebook uh, live, you get to 
ask questions as well. So yeah, <laughs> but if you want them to be secret and you don't know, want me to know where they came from, yeah. where these anonymous, deep, secret questions came from, but surely no one's going to ask me anything too probing. I mean, really? You never know, Al. You never know about your secret life. I did. A, it's <laughs> funny you say that, though. I did an interview um, last week with the West Australian uh, newspaper, which is going to come out, you know, around the time that the Firestar comes out. Mm. And um, it was really interesting because one of the frequently asked questions that I have on my website is, um, you know, where were you born? Mm. And uh, the answer is Madang in Papua New Guinea. And it's just one of those things that's up there and no one has ever in the history of the world asked me about it ever. Mm. Um, but the interviewer opened with it and we ended up having this long and involved conversation about how had I ended up in Papua New Guinea and I was yeah. not expecting that. I was all set to write, you know, to to talk about my book and my writing and my inspiration and all that stuff. And uh, I hadn't expected to go into my childhood in Papua New Guinea. So there you go. Be prepared for the unexpected people. Yes. Now, while we can certainly delve in that in more detail in the Facebook Live, <laughs> give us the dot points of why were you in Papua New Guinea and when did you leave? Well, it's a fairly, like it's a fairly short story and the yeah, dot points right. are fairly straightforward. Um, but my parents met in Papua New Guinea. They were both wow. up there working for in, in different roles and they stayed up there for, I think I left when I was about three. So they were there for a few more years after they got married. Um, so, you know, I don't remember anything about it much except for what I see. They had that, they had the old um, movie cameras, you know, the um, oh, Super yeah. 8s, home movies. So no sound, just all this imagery, all this kind of faded 1970s mm. imagery. Um, so the, I kind of only remember what I've, you don't know what you remember and what you have taken on board from what you've seen in those movies. Um, mm. So I kind of remember it in the sense of that's what I remember about it, like what I've seen. Um, and we left when I was three. My sister was about, I don't know, one or something. Um, and then we went to uh, the Northern Territory after that. Wow. And mm. so did you – you didn't go to school or anything there? In Papua New Guinea, no. Mm. Okay. No. Most people don't go to school at three, remember? Not no, even me. You, you, not even my – like a genius. <laughs> not even in my advanced <laughs> stage did I go to school at three. No. Um, no, I went to school in – I started school in uh, Catherine in the Northern Territory, to be yeah, precise. Right. Yeah. Well, things you didn't know about Al, huh? Well, things we – you know, really. And now we don't ever have to cover that in our creative conversation, okay? <laughs> All right. Now, there's a birthday coming up. Is that correct? Oh, there is a birthday coming up. It's quite exciting. Um, so Puffin Books is turning 80. Um, and this, of course, is the junior version of The Penguin, of which I am now a junior Penguin um, author. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason I'm flagging it with you guys is that we're going to be having in the Your Kids Next Read group a massive giveaway um, as part of those 80th birthday celebrations for Puffin. It's going to open exciting. on the 24th of August. We are giving away 18 Puffin books as well awesome. as some, like, stuff merch, fun things that you can't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to let you know about it um, to maybe join the group if you're interested in winning 18 kids books. It's a it's a great opportunity if you are a um, aspiring children's author to build a collection immediately of what, what is actually being um, published right now uh, by them. So you can um, maybe build your collection that way or if you've got kids obviously in your life that might like to read them or, you know, donate them to your library, whatever you want to do with them. Um, but yeah, so you You'll need to join the Your Kids Next Read Facebook group to uh, to be part of that uh, giveaway. And I just wanted to, to give you give you the heads up, basically, that it's uh, kicking off in there on the 24th of August. 
Fantastic. And obviously just search for Your Kids Next Read on Facebook. That's Now, correct. we want to give a big shout-out. We're so excited for the Australian Writers' Centre presenter, Candace Fox, who is not only a crime and thriller author, she is also um, one of our course creators. Now, Candace has been on the podcast before, and she is a number one New York Times bestseller. She co-writes a lot of books with uh, James Patterson, the iconic Jim. James yeah, Jim, Jim, she refers as, as to. Everyone, well, as everyone who was at our Vivid event last year will remember, we all <laughs> call right. him Jim now, remember? She also writes um, books on her own without Jim. <laughs> and her novel, Crimson Lake, uh, is going into production. It's going to be an Australian crime drama called Tropo and uh, it's going to star Thomas Jane who also stars in The Expanse and um, he's going to play an ex-cop who has been falsely accused of a disturbing crime and then escapes to the tropics of far north Queensland and becomes entangled in a newly formed private investigation agency. So pretty exciting uh, that Tropo is going into production and it's all based on her novel, Crimson Lake. So of course, Candace, if you've heard the podcast that we've done with her, the, the interview that we've done with her, is obsessed with crime. She's obsessed, obsessed with criminals. She has met serial killers. Um, she has created the course Anatomy of a Crime, How to Write About Murder. And she obviously does it extremely well, <laughs> writes about murder extremely well, because she is a number one New York Times bestseller. And if you are writing anything to do with crime or murder, then this course is pretty fantastic because I've gone through it and it goes through every single step of the process from premeditation right down to the actual act to writing about it convincingly um, and in a way that readers will find engaging but not too, you know, bad, you know, gory, um, right through to uh, crime scene investigation, right through to the morgue, right through to, um, you know, police procedure when it comes to a murder. Absolutely fascinating with lots of true crime, real crime and literary crime uh explained in the in the course so if you're interested go to writerscenter.com.au slash murder that's writerscenter.com.au slash murder she's also we um just before you move on she's yeah. also currently obsessed with woodwork have you been following her facebook she, she like i just need to categorically <laughs> state here that for someone who is obsessed with murder candace is hilarious like she, she is, is hilarious so funny um but she's currently her face so she's it's worth following her facebook page because it's just it's it's a highly entertaining place to be um <laughs> but she's currently obsessed with woodwork and has been she has made herself an outdoor table and a couple of benches and well following the process of the outdoor table and the couple of benches being made was worth the price of admission. I just think, you know, like she's she's someone who shows really, like as far as an author page goes, um, her social media is great because she kind of gives you these funny little insights into her life and her personality mm -hmm. and, um, and they're really engaging. So, yeah, have a yes. look at her page. It's really worth it. She's hilarious. Also a big shout out to Brooke Graham, who is uh, a graduate of the Australian Writers' Centre. She did the course Writing Picture Books and she now has her picture book coming out. It's coming out in September this year uh, and uh, it's called Go Away 
worry monster. So pretty exciting that she did the course and followed through. Um, it's, it's, you know, fantastic that, that she's, you know, gone through the rest of her journey and now mm. her book is going to be in her hands. In her hands. Yes, fantastic. Congratulations, Brooke. All right, let's move on to our competition this week. Our competition is um, The Girl in the Mirror by Rose Carlyle, and you have a chance to win one of three copies, an edge-of-your-seat debut thriller with identical twins, a crazy inheritance, and a boat full of secrets. Who can you trust? Absolutely nobody. Beautiful twin sisters Iris and Summer are startlingly alike, but beyond what the eye can see lies a darkness that sets them apart. Cynical and insecure, Iris has long been envious of open-hearted Summer's seemingly never-ending good fortune, including her perfect husband, Adam. But just how far will she go to get the life she's dreamed about, and how will she make sure no one discovers the truth? Written with the chilling suspense of The Girl on the Train and Before I Go to Sleep, The Girl in the Mirror is an addictive thriller about greed, lust, secrets, and deadly lies. Mm. (laughs) All right, for Mm. your chance to win... One of three copies, uh, go to writercenter.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 24th of August. That's writercenter.com.au slash win. All right, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, I could not be more ready, Val. Okay. It is protein, P-R-O-T-E-A-N, protein. Do you know what it means? No, no. Okay. So. <laughs> no, I've decided I'm just going to say that even if I do because it's, I don't want to ruin your fun anymore. No, but do you or not? Uh, again, context. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to take that as a no. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it sounds like it could have something to do with the protea flower, you know. Mm-hmm. I like proteas. Do you like proteas? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. My friend has just planted a hundred protea trees. I mean, really, she's got time on her hands. Does um, she pronounce? How are you pronouncing that protea? Well, I don't. Yeah, how do you say it? Protea. I've got to look up my pronunciation dictionary. Protea. <laughs> Let's find a use for that. I say protea, not protea. Protea. Oh. Mm. Anyway. Okay, I'll know ask what her. You're she's about. got a hundred of them. Is she okay. going to um? Is she going to sell them because the flowers? Because they do a lot of people. Um, you can do very well out of selling the flowers, bunches of. Yes, them. but apparently mm. it's going to take ten years. <laughs> yeah, it takes forever. Oh, we, we've got two massive ones outside, sort of down one side of our house, and oh, um, oh, they're huge, and to the point where we have to cut them back regularly because they scratch on the windows at night, and it's a bit creepy. Oh, do you mm. um? Do you, do you, they flower? Yeah. And do you like cut them and put them in vases? Um, I do sometimes. I don't actually love them, so oh. I, I more cut them and give them away. Um, they're not my favourite sort of flower, so because you know, I mean, they're they're fine. They're quite nice looking things. I, I don't mind them on the on the actual you know tree. Yes. Um, but yeah, they're not my okay. they're not my choice. I, I have a I have a garden full of like fat roses. I would prefer oh, to have those. And you have annuals and perennials. Oh, look at you go. Valerie is bringing this up because we had an entire conversation during the week about the difference between annuals and perennials. 
Because I needed advice on my rosemary. This is the kind of stuff we talk about in our downtime, people. In case you thought we were having fabulous lives, we are, in fact, talking about annuals and perennials. Anyway, this is – we're completely digressed from what we're supposed to be talking about. All right. According to the Macquarie Dictionary, it means readily assuming different forms or characters. So – you might say that the Wonder Twins, do you remember the Wonder Twins from the Super Friends cartoons? Wonder Twin powers activate, activate. form <laughs> of a, I always felt like it was like one of them got to be all of these amazing animals and the other one was like form of a water bucket. Yes, exactly. Like, Shape of an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and the eagle would carry the water bucket. And tip it on. I know. And then the water bucket would be tipped on someone's head. But, you know, like you form of a water bucket. It's like not really what you're – not really what you're dreaming of, is it? But anyway, yeah. No, but um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, the Wonder Twins, you might say that the Wonder Twins had protein abilities. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. So it comes right. from the myth of Proteus, the sea god who could assume different forms. Do you think he was turning himself into a water bucket? Quite likely. <laughs> <laughs> That, I have to say that was possibly the most entertaining word of the week conversation we've ever had. <laughs> All right, everyone. And no that... one can remember what it was about. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> it was right. Anyway, sorry. All right, that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers Centre and our online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course will help you find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love. You'll also have your very own tutor providing personalised feedback on your writing. Here's what Catherine Pelosi says. When I um, first decided I wanted to write, I was actually living in the UK and I just all of a sudden started thinking about stories and writing. I thought, wow, I'd really like to write for children, but I had no idea how. So when I came back to Sydney, I was like, I need to find out how to do this. And I found the course Writing for Children and Young Adults at the Australian Writers' Centre and I enrolled and it was brilliant from the start. It was just like entering this whole world of like magic and happiness and I've never left because it's just so great learning about writing and children's books. For me, the most useful part of the course was learning about all the different components of storytelling. You might have an idea, but how do you actually put it all together? And there's so many different elements. Learning all the technical side is, there's a lot to it. The presenter at the um, course was really supportive. And I think also being uh, with other writers, other aspiring writers is really important because you need that community. Writing can be quite isolating. You're often just at your computer typing away. So um, I've met people through the course I've done at the Australian Writers' Centre and kept in touch. So it's a great way to find your writing buddies as well. When I found out that I was being published, it was the best feeling ever. I, the happiest day I can remember so far. It was really, really exciting. Uh, if I think back to when I first did the course at the Australian Writers' Centre, which was my first sort of entry into writing for children, to the moment I got published, it's sort of unbelievable that it happened. Awesome feeling. Now I can call myself a children's book author, which is amazing. And I have my first book coming out, Quark's Academy, and I've signed two more book deals. I would say if you want to do a course at the Australian Writers' Centre, definitely do it. To find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. All right, so who is our writer in residence this week, Al? 
Uh, this week I am speaking to children's author Adrian Beck and we had um, quite a wide-ranging, long and involved conversation about creating um, children's series. Um, also his work as a TV producer because his background is in uh, in, in TV production. So um, he brings uh, quite, you know, brings that perspective into his writing. So it was a good old chat. I hope you guys will enjoy it. Adrian Beck writes funny, action-packed stories for kids. He is the author of the Derek Duel series, the Champion Charlie series, plus Alien Zoo 1 and 2, and he is the co-author of the Little Legend series with Nicole Hayes, plus the Kick It to Nick series with AFL Hall of Famer Shane Crawford. His latest book, Derek Duel Super Cool, Going Viral, is out now. Welcome to the program, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me, Alison. All right, so we're going to go back into the, you know, realms of time and we're going to talk about how you got started with writing for kids. What, you know, how did you get into it and what made you begin? Mm. What made me begin? Well, I I loved Paul Jennings when I was a kid and I loved I loved all his un series and his funny uh you know short stories and that sort of got me into writing in general while well, reading and then writing. So I was always kind of doing a little bit of writing on and off as a kid. Then I'd go, you know, a couple of years and forget about it, but then I'd come back to it again. But I reckon Paul Jennings sort of kicked me off um originally. So I was very, um, I was very uh, inspired by everything that he did and round the twist as well. But then I sort of, during my teenage, uh, late teenage years and uni years, I sort of was, you know, too interested in other things. Um, and then sort of, I guess when Buffy came on TV, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I, I saw, uh, you know how sometimes there's these, there's the, whether it's a book series, it's a movie series or a TV series or whatever, sometimes it just sort of, it grabs you and that really grabbed me and I thought I would love to create something which uh, has the same effect in other people as this show has with me it resonates in such a way and so I sat down and I started writing and I didn't know quite what I was going to write and then I started to think that maybe it would be great to write something like Buffy but aimed at you know, kids or, you know, maybe your late primary school age, early, early high school age. And so I started writing this, um, this manuscript. Uh, it was about, now this is, uh, you know, this is brilliant. This is genius, Alison. Uh, it's instead of, uh, a young girl taking on vampires, this was a young girl taking on werewolves. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so, there you go. Brilliant so, premise. How about that? Hey, amazing. Um, anyway, uh, it was probably it probably developed a touch more as as I got going. But yeah, I wrote a uh, I think it was like a forty thousand word manuscript, and then I had no idea what to do with it. I didn't know whether it was any good. I, I you know I hoped it was good, but I had no idea really. And I had I, so what I did was I started to. I sort of started to look around and see if there were any sort of writers groups and because I had no idea I was I was completely out of the circuit and the scene uh, you know I was I was just all on my own just doing this sort of fun project late at night um and then I I looked around and I I I couldn't really uh, find my way into like I, I don't know what maybe I was googling the wrong things. I didn't find any squibbies. I didn't find any duck ponds. I didn't find any. So you want to be a writer podcast? I don't know what I was doing, but I was doing it wrong. Um, I was doing and it wrong. I was doing it all wrong. And then I I stumbled across a competition, and the competition was for um for 
getting a mentor for your writing. Uh, and it was for, you know, uh, kids and YA uh, material. And I thought, oh, this would be good. A mentor might be just what I need here. Um, and so I, end, I sent in the first few chapters for this, uh, for the mentor competition. And then lo and behold, I won and I was so excited. And, uh, and then I read the fine print. The winning meant that I had the opportunity to pay for this mentor to oh, look after no. me. Okay. And, you know, I was a little bit uh, green at the time and I thought, oh, well, maybe it's still a good opportunity. Uh, supposedly there's a percentage off the fee and all this sort of stuff. So um, so I ended up paying um, and uh, and got this mentor and the mentor, uh, she was supposed to, you know, look after me for I think six, week, uh, six months. Uh, we'd catch up every so often. Anyway, we had our first coffee and we sat down together and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. She obviously loves my work. This is going to be terrific. And I said, so, you know, uh, how come you chose me? Did you like the characters? No. Nah. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, fair enough. Well, what about the plot? No, nah, not really. I said, okay, cool. Uh, all right. Well, um, maybe uh, maybe you liked the sort of the, the writing. No, nah, I didn't like the writing. <laughs> <laughs> This is going so well. I thought, wow, uh, this is this is some real tough love here. And she goes, you know, you're going to be working on this for years and years and years, and you'll probably never get published. Uh, and then I'm sitting there thinking, I'm waiting for the but. I'm waiting for her to say but. I'm waiting. Come on, are you going to say but? <laughs> and I said, no, and there was just this, yeah, this sort of awkward silence. And I said, ah, oh, okay, right. So what would you advise? And she said, right, we need to completely start from, start from the beginning. And then you need to have a good hard look at yourself and see if you really want to be a writer. And I said, okay, thank you very much. Um, and, uh, you know, went and, uh, and we left the cafe and I thought, well, that was an interesting, that was an interesting way to kick things off. Um, and so I went and had to think about it, uh, in the, in the days after that. And like, it was, you know, often these publishing types, they'll give you feedback in lovely sort of couched, beautiful ways so that it doesn't hurt your little fragile author egos. Well, she was obviously into more so the um, tell not like it is. And I don't know whether I reacted too well to that. So I had to think about, I had to think about her feedback and, uh, and I decided, look, I do want to be a writer. I just don't want to have a mentor. <laughs> Wow. I, you know, I, I'm sitting here with my mouth open, which is why I'm not responding. I'm not sort of like ooing and ahhing here because I am gobsmacked. Okay. <laughs> Did you ask for your money back at that point? <laughs> no, look, I was, this was, this would have been 15 or 15 years ago or something like that. So I still thought of myself as relatively young and, and she was, um, quite experienced if that's a nice way of putting it yeah. um so i thought um I, I didn't feel like i could ask for my, my money back and she, and you know we were meant to have ongoing meetings and and she never emailed me i never emailed her and uh it sort of just was sort of like one of those awkward breakups when you're not even you know going out you just ghosted <laughs> each other from there did you that's we did. hilarious <laughs> so where did you go from there because i mean i know a lot of people would have walked away from that and just gone okay well you know i'm gonna go and do something else. Horticultures always look good. You know, I'll go and do that. So what, what, that's often what I think about I'd like to do if I wasn't a writer. Horticulture always looks good to me. So yeah. what did you do from there? Like what, what did you decide to do? I mean, how did you get started from that point? So then I, I did some more investigations and I went to a couple of um, sort of uh, industry sort of events and I, I, again, I felt like I was young, whether I was young or not. I was, I was sort of early 20s. Um, 
but I was looking around and, you know, there was no one sort of my age there and I kind of felt a little bit on the outer. Now, it's very weird for a white male to feel that way, so I completely understand that, um, you know, no one's going to be crying boo-hoo for me right now. But I was I was look, looking around and thinking, I didn't really feel like I, I, I fitted in and I, I sort of, I don't know. So I, I didn't I didn't really pursue that all that much. Um, I, I, I did a lot of thinking. I thought, how do I, how do I get into this? Because this is, I knew in my heart, deep down in my soul, Alison, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and so I thought, right, I need to be smart here. I need to work out another way in. I've tried a couple of ways and I haven't, it hasn't quite ticked over. Um, I haven't quite felt right. And so I, I was working in TV at the time and obviously um, I'd seen a lot of sporting stars team up with writers uh, as a way to uh, – as and, and the books had been really well uh, – done really well. And I thought, well, that might be a way that I could potentially break into the industry um, in a sort of slightly non-traditional way because working in TV, I knew a lot of these sports people. And so um, – I was very strategic um, and I thought, right, well, uh, I know uh, Shane Crawford very well and we've worked together and he's obviously for those uh, uh, not in the AFL states, he's a bit of a footy legend and um, he was working on a, a travel show and I was a real junior on the travel show. So he was just trying to break out of football into TV presenting at that stage. So he was, we, it was like a local travel show mm. and I was uh, what they call the runner or PA. And so what I had to do was I had to hold a big, what they call bounce board. Uh, so bounce the light, a big um, white board, bounce the light into his face so that when he said he's lying to camera, he would be all lit up beautifully. But you know, <laughs> there was, there was clouds moving around and um, there was wind blowing me here and there. And, and he was just really new and he would admit this himself. He could barely get his sentence out. <laughs> right. And when he did, I sort of shone the light in the wrong spots and I'd be hitting his chest rather than his face, or I'd just get his <laughs> ear lit up. And, and uh, so we were both, and I thought to myself, you know, this is a perfect partnership here. We are both working so beautifully together. <laughs> um, soon after, uh, soon after that, uh, where we actually started to work properly together, um, I pitched him the idea that we did it do a, a book series together, and he thought that was a great idea because he has kids and uh, he was um, he was re- very excited about that. And um, I didn't even think this part through. I didn't think about the second part. You know, how would we actually go from okay, we've got this concept to actually going to a publisher? Yeah. But um, as it happened, and I should have thought this through, he'd already done his uh, autobiography with Penguin. And so he had an established relationship with Penguin, which, um, you know, was really, really lucky for us because we didn't have to go through any of that. I mean, I'm sure when you've got a big name attached to your project, it helps, uh, you know, get to certain people's desks. Um, But we already had that existing, we already had that existing relationship. So we were very excited to be able to put together a pitch. uh, And I wrote the whole first uh, book with him um, for that series and we sent it through. And uh, yeah, and then lo and behold, um, we, suddenly we were in a meeting with them and they were saying, hey, this is really good and hey, the writing's actually quite good and, you know, and you, you guys have, have got something here. And we thought, wow, this is fantastic. And uh, and then, so that basically became Kick It to Nick, which was the first uh, book that uh, that I was able to co-write and put out there. And um, 
fortunately from that point on i was able to uh, meet people and make connections and i felt like i uh, had some uh, contacts from then on but it was like kind of it was kind of a strategic way in right so your your method then is and your suggestion would be find yourself a famous person and go in under their wing is that the point absolutely yes <laughs> everyone needs to get a famous person and then ride on their coattails okay now i know you've got top tips at the end of this and that's my first one <laughs> did you ever like okay so so while you're doing all this like you're like okay shane and i are going to do this i'm going to write this book I'm ready to go. I'm going in. You're meeting all of these publishers. Like, was there ever a moment where you thought to yourself, I've never done this before? I don't, oh, yeah. Maybe I'm not really, like, is this actually going to work? Like, did you ever have those moments of, or was it just, I, I can't not do this properly now because Shane Crawford is relying on me <laughs> <laughs> and I'm worried Look, about what might all, happen? <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> no, it was, it was a little bit, uh, I, I kind of like to, I kind of really like to challenge myself. So I definitely, I mean, I suffer from imposter syndrome as much as anyone, but I also uh, like to, I like to give things a crack and I really, really wanted to write for kids. And so I thought, right, um, this has been my, you know, this is a, this is a plan that might come off. And I have a million plans. I'm sure all the authority types do. There's got a million ideas running through their mind all the time, but this was one of my plans to get in, you know? Um, and so as we kept jumping the hurdles and it seemed to keep going okay i just kept riding the wave you know so uh yes i did feel like, when i sat down with the with the uh the big bosses in the meeting for when you know whether they were going to give us a uh, a series or not i did think to myself is this really happening and you know uh how how have we got here but um <laughs> Fortunately, uh, yeah, they were very complimentary, and th that was good. So that you know that pumps up your ego a bit. So that's that was nice. But um, yeah, I, I kind of I'm of the opinion, and this might be working in TV. I'm of the opinion that you sort of fake it till you make it, and so definitely we were faking it. I'm mean, still faking it now half the time, but definitely we were faking it then. So um, and fortunately they they took a punt on us, and it worked out. So that was great. All right, so um, like you've written a few different series now. You have Champion Charlie's, Alien Zoo, Little Legends, Kick It to Nick, Derridool. What, what do you think is a common thread that sort of like underpins your style of writing? Like if you if I if you had to say the the key to an Adrian Beck book is what? I think I'm trying to reach those kids that don't traditionally pick up a book. Okay. I'm trying to put in wacky, silly jokes all the way through. I'm trying to put in twists. I'm trying to put in cliffhangers. I'm trying to put in uh, lots of jokes and silliness. And I'm just trying to make sure that I'm creating a book where there's I'm, – I'm trying to eliminate all the reasons why kids might put it down. Okay. And so whether it's, you know, sci-fi, sporty, funny, I'm always trying to make it as engaging as possible. What do you think is the key to that then? Like, what's the key to writing funny, engaging stories that kids will love? Well, I think a little bit it comes from, like, when I worked on the uh, the kids show at nine, uh, early on we had uh, quite old editing equipment. I had to sit through, which wasn't a bad thing, but I had to sit through cartoon after cartoon after cartoon after cartoon as we were putting together the show for each weekend. Um, and so I think by osmosis I just picked up a lot of what, 
kids were consuming uh, in terms of uh, cartoon material, in terms of media. And I think that's come out a lot in my writing. And so it is, it's a lot of, it's a lot of quips. It's a lot of uh, funny visuals. And I think, I think all my books, I think of visually, I don't think of in terms of words, if I'm writing a scene or a chapter, I'm thinking of it like it's a movie or it's a TV show. Um, and that's how it appears to me in my head. Um, and I think that I make sure that uh, there's lots of constant jokes and the plot doesn't sort of ever lag. We and, and but we also have to make sure that um, the characters are quite extreme. And so, in all the books that I've written, I like to think that the the characters are a little bit like, uh, you know, you, you think of the Warner Brothers characters. Um, they're pretty, you know, drawn pretty broadly. And I think that's the same with a lot of the characters in my books. And hopefully, kids gravitate towards that. So. When you're creating a series for kids, is that where you start? Do you start with that character? Like, how do you know if the character you've thought up is going to carry a series? You have no idea, basically. Okay, well, that's a good start. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you hope they, they, you hope they can. Uh, I think, well, for Derek Duell, the way that that's conceived is uh, I wanted a – it was kind of like a sitcom or um, a movie, I guess, in some ways. I wanted each book to be about something else that the lead character, Derek, is desperate to achieve so that we could almost theme them. So obviously the first one's about the um, school dance. The second one's about him trying to be an internet uh, sensation. Uh, the third one, which is an exclusive uh, announcement here, so this is exciting, uh, is uh, about the cross-country race. So they're all uh, – basically it was built in such a way that they each had something that he's trying to achieve. Um, and so – in order for that to work, I needed a character. I needed to sort of reverse engineer a character that was desperate to prove himself. And so that basically became his most defining characteristic. He's desperate to prove himself. He's desperate to show everyone that he's super cool. Um, and I, I kind of relate to that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very easy for me to exaggerate. Uh, and and also, I mean, and in terms of Derek, uh, the, in terms of coming up with a character for him, my one of my favourite comedic actors is Rick Mayle. Um, I just think he's absolutely hilarious. His facial expressions, his, you know, physicality. I, I think he, he's fantastic. So I loved him in The Young Ones and I also particularly loved him in the sort of the after they did The Young Ones, um, him and Aid Edmondson did Bottom, which not many people know, but I want you to check it out if you're listening um, because it's it's hilarious. And uh, so I took I took a lot of inspiration from a Rick Mayle type character and thought to myself, now what would Rick Mayle be like if he was a primary school kid? And it sort of clicked perfectly with a character that was desperate to prove himself. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where I got that character from. I just sort of – I took what was required – from writing a series, an ongoing series, which was a kid that constantly wants to prove himself in different ways, mashed it up with uh, some inspiration from a character that I love myself, and basically that, then you get Derek. And so I think you can sort of do that. You can sort of do that uh, in similar ways for other series as well. Do you think there's a misconception out there that writing these kinds of stories is easy? Or do you think that it's the kind of thing people think of that you just dash off on a weekend? <laughs> definitely. You know, just asking. <laughs> no, def definitely. Uh, I'm picking up your tone there, Alison. Uh, just, are you picking up what I'm putting down? 
No, look, I think uh, funny books, uh, yeah, people kind of well, – so not all the people, not all, certainly not me. No, not, actually because, not uh, me either. I just want no. to put that out there. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen how hard work uh, – how hard it is that comedians work behind the scenes in showbiz. And I, I know how much pressure they put on themselves. And they, they refine their jokes so that every little word matters, every little um, emphasis matters. So I know that there's a lot of work that goes behind the uh, being funny and part of that work is appearing like there's no work, yeah. you know. It's yeah. it's meant to seem natural. And I think there's – I personally think there's a lot of work in juggling the funniness in a, in a book because you've got, you've got to work on your characters, you've got to work on your plot, you've got to work on your setting, but you've also got to make sure that the whole thing is funny the whole time as well. So it's almost like a fourth element that you're juggling. And there's a lot of books – out there that um, do the other three things really, really well. Uh, and every so often there's a, you know, there's funny moments, but if you want to consistently have jokes and, and laughs all the way through, you've really got to keep that in mind. And I think it's, it's a bit of a juggling act because you also want to have those ups and downs and you want the characters to um, have moments where, you know, it's a little bit sad, you know, it can't all be just, you know, up moments, um, but you've got to make sure that it's, um, you can't have a chapter that's completely sad. There's got to be a few little funny, quirky bits all the way through it. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's tricky, um, and I'm not really sure why there are there is that perception around that perhaps it's uh, it's a little bit easier just to to knock one off. But um, but I'd love to see some some of those people that um, think that it's easy. I'd love to see them have a crack. That'd be mm. interesting. What's your writing process for it? Then are you are you planning them? Like are you like you know putting in the three-act structure, working out where the jokes go, you know, doing all that? Or do you sort of write them and then reverse engineer them? Or, how, I mean, how do you how, – like how long does it take you to create a, a Derek Dual draft, for instance, that you're happy with? Oh, it depends. It depends on um... – it depends on my my circumstances. Like Derek Dool going viral, uh, I, I was I was working um, in TV and it was a very 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 hectic time, and uh, the the deadline was coming up and I'd done oh, I reckon I'd done about half of it and the deadline was coming up and I could see it you know coming around the corner in about a week's time, and uh, then um, my my lovely wife decided that it would be great. Uh, if we could go away for a week to Uluru for our 10-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and that is great. That is that's wonderful. But uh, basically the, the week that she – and this is a lovely surprise. Like, um, don't get me wrong. I was, I was very touched and the kids were being looked after by grandma and granddad, so that was awesome. Uh, but the deadline – so we had that week in Uluru and we came back on the Sunday and I think the deadline was the Monday. And I'd, so I'd sort of, I'd sort of been thinking, right, I'm going to be staying up all night to get to knock off the rest of this book all that week. And, uh, then, then that was sort of, uh, in a, you know, in a lovely sort of way that was sprung on me. Um, so I found myself sort of right. I getting up really early, <laughs> um, and, and ducking out to the, the to the cafe, um, writing for you know an hour an hour and a half and then i'd duck back and you know we would have to uh, pretend like we were relaxed on the um on the balcony you know <laughs> having a sip like i'm i've got my sunglasses on and i'm like thinking away oh what am i going to put in the next chapter or what am i going to do here and how am i going to fix that bit and and, and, and yeah and, and my lovely wife would say to me oh this is the life isn't it and i'd say oh yeah i've never felt so relaxed in all my life <laughs> <laughs> right 
Then okay. she'd go and get a massage and I'd nick off to the cafe again. I'd be like, bang, 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 bang. Got to get this chapter out. Got to get this chapter out. And then, uh, you know, I'd time it so that I'd get back to the room so that she'd come back five minutes after and she'd be like, oh, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, just reading my book a little bit and, you know, went for a bit of a stroll, you know, because uh, <laughs> she didn't. She didn't need to know the the uh, that I'd taken the whole book away with us because I'm no, you know sometimes no, she, she likes to think to that, that no she likes she likes to think that we were both switching off anyway. That is an unusual circumstance. Usually, it takes uh, it takes about uh, maybe a month to six weeks to get a first draft done. I would say if you were doing it like I do, and that's right most nights. Um, How many words are in it? You know, about, about twenty five thousand. Okay. Um, so, and that's that's start, starting with uh, plotting it out, um, and then uh, writing it, and then going back and fixing it, basically. And um, to answer your question about plotting, uh, I do plot it out, but uh, I often have scenes in my mind that I want to get to. Uh, so I will I'll have like three or four random scenes which I think are funny or might reveal a bit of character or might be, you know, some sort of slapstick moment that has never really uh, I've never really seen in a book before which I th- thought would be cool to throw in and so I'll know that those oh, there's three or four moments that I want to put in it and then I'll sort of look at my plan and I'll work out a way of making the plan work with those moments happening throughout the um, throughout the plot uh, and then I'll go away and write it according to the plan but um, I will leave room for if something occurs to me as I'm going and if something better pops into my brain, um, I will definitely, you know, follow that, um, which, which is good. So it's sort of like a mixture. It's mainly plotting, but, um, you know, not being too strict about it. Okay. Um, so you work with an illustrator, Scott Edgar, on those, uh, on that series. What, what's the process there? Do you write the whole thing and then he works off that to create illustrations? Yes. Right. Uh, so well, we're, we're actually kind of lucky because we actually uh, randomly we live like six houses away from each other. We live in the same street. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Uh, which is kind of it's kind of funny because um, he's from the band Tripod. Um, and oh I, right. I, yeah, I, I love Tripod. I love Tripod. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> awesome. and I used to keep uh, you know walking past him like this was years ago. I, I walked past him in the street and I think I know that guy from somewhere. How do I know that guy? And I just give him a nod uh, and keep walking. And then eventually, when on the on our t- kids TV show, um, he had a kids book, uh, another kids book, and so we invited him on. And I and you know it all it all clicked for me. Oh, that's you're Scott Edgar. You're from Tripod, and you live in my street. Great. And so uh, anyway. Um, when our pu- publisher asked me if I had any thoughts on who who I might like to illustrate it, um, I I definitely said I sent a message saying, "Oh, Scott Edgar would be awesome. He'd be fantastic." And sometimes when they ask you these things and you send your thoughts back, they give you the reply like, "Oh, thanks for your thanks for that. That's great. We'll uh, we'll have a think about it." And then you never hear anything about it ever again. <laughs> and you oh, think, I- "Did I send that email?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this case, uh, it only took a few days later and I got an email back saying, Scott's in, this is great. And so um, so basically uh, it was really exciting. So we now what we do is I write the script. I call it a script. I write the manuscript. Um, and then he and I catch up for uh, – we go to the pub um, a couple of <laughs> doors down and um, we chat about it and he basically – he changes stuff. <laughs> well, he – 
I shouldn't say he, well, he does change stuff. He improves stuff is probably a better way. suggestions. Yes, that's right. So he's like, well, visually it would be better if blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yes, it would be better. Yes, let's do that. So, um, for example, there's a moment um, in the current book going viral where there's a a jumping castle and Derek's floating on this jumping castle down a river. Um, You know, (laughs) that's quite normal. Yeah. Uh, And originally it was upside down. And he's like, why would you write it that it's upside down when, you you know, if you flip it up the other way, I can do all these, you know, amazing uh, turrets and, um, you know, (laughs) sorts of things poking out. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So he'll, he'll suggest a lot of changes. um, Well, not a lot of changes, but he'll suggest stuff. And he does it in a very polite way, um, (laughs) which, which I appreciate. It was, you know, not like my uh, mentor, which didn't really go anywhere. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, yeah, we do change, we do change a fair bit, uh, uh, when it comes to his illustrations, because often he has great ideas and he thinks visually. So, um, it's, it's, we're sort of on the same page there. Um, uh, so I get where he's coming from. So yeah, the process is I write it, we sit down and talk about it. Um, he'll change or he'll sort of suggest a lot of great ideas and, I'd say eighty percent of them would go straight in. Um, then he'll go away and he'll do roughs, and we'll talk about the roughs. Um, and most of the time, the roughs are uh, great. And then it's basically he uh, finishes them off, and we slot them all into the book. And it's it's actually worked pretty seamlessly so far. The hardest thing to do was to get Derek looking right because Derek is an anti-hero, right? Mm. So, in, and the way I pitched it to Penguin was, his character at least, was that um, he's like Pig the Pug, but he's a primary school boy. Right. Um, because um, I wanted to make it really obvious um, what they were getting. Um, and so he's a real anti-hero. He, he thinks he's the best. He thinks that he's the most charming. He thinks he's amazing when in actual fact the truth may be slightly different. And um, we... Uh, we had a lot of trouble narrowing in on what he should look like because Scott read the first uh, the first manuscript and thought, right, I know this character, and then he drew a kid who's who was very awkward looking. Um, and you know, nothing wrong with awkward looking kids. I'm an awkward looking man, but he was very <laughs> awkward looking. And, and uh, all the conversations were about, yes, he's very awkward looking, but should he have a, a slight? charm about him or are people going to look at this book and think why do I want to read about this guy (laughs) so we had to do do that fine balancing act where um where he looks like a bit of a rat bag but he doesn't look like an evil evil rat bag so you still want to sort of you still want to uh, barrack for him in some ways and then so basically we came back with this you know red-headed uh red-headed kid with large teeth and um, I said to Scott, oh, this is great. How did you, you know, finally, after this was like after about 10 different options, and he said, how did you come up with this? And um, he said, oh, look, I just sort of had a look at some photos of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Based a little bit on that and a little bit on Bugs Bunny. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if, if any of you have seen the cover or seen Derek Duell and you think to yourself, wow, what a handsome young lad, and I completely understand. <laughs> I'm just looking at him now, wondering <laughs> about that. Right. Um, so speaking of working with people, you also co-author the Little Legends series with the Australian writer-presenter Nicole Hayes. How did that collaboration come about? Because I'd imagine working with another writer would be different to, you know, anything else? 
<laughs> it is. It is different to anything else. Uh, well said. Um, yeah, uh, we Nicole's very, very generous. So we wanted to work on some. We've we've um, crossed paths a few times. We wanted to work on something together, uh, and we just hadn't got quite got the concept um, right just yet. And then. Uh, she was actually approached to write the um, footy books because um, uh, obviously she's got uh, great footy knowledge and, and does a fabulous um, Out of Sanctum podcast, which is very, very popular uh, for footy lovers, certainly down in the southern states. Um, and so she was very excited to do this series. And then she was very, very generous. And she said to me, Adrian, would you like to do it with me? And my response was, um, no. And. <laughs> And she said, what do you mean, no? And I said, I said, this is your opportunity. Why, why are you, you know, handing it off, you know, why are you um, halving it and giving me, you know, it's not fair, you know. And she said, uh, so she, I gave her a day to, I told her I wanted her to take a day to think about it. Um, and she graciously said, okay, I will. Um, and then she came back and said, no, no, I really want to do it together. So, um, so it was very, very generous of her to get me on board to do it with her. Um and then we just sat down and and uh, tried to think up the concept. Um, I had the title Little Legends in my head because Legends is often associated with sport and I love alliteration, which is probably obvious from all my books. Um, <laughs> and and so then we sort of retrofitted the idea around Little Legends and what that what that meant. So um, it was a twins and uh, Nick's a twin, um, boy and a girl and their cousin and their surname is Little and they all love their footy. So once we sort of had that, we sort of uh, – yeah, developed it from there. But um, working with her, it could have gone horribly wrong. We had no idea what each other's writing styles were like. No idea. Um, I am much more on the plotting side, even though I leave a bit of room to move. I'm certainly much more on the plotting side. Um, and she is just the ultimate pantser, mm. the ultimate pantser. Like she'll just sit there. Uh, she's currently writing something and she has no idea – she was telling me this the other day. She has no idea where it's going and um, no idea what it's really about. And <laughs> I'm hearing this and I'm having sort of like a, a, a breakdown. It's like internally thinking, how can you do that? How can you spend all that time? And you don't know whether it's going to be this, that or the other. It's like, how? This is not right. And I broke out in a cold sweat and I had to hang up immediately. And uh, uh, But uh, that's, what she, that's kind of what she's like. But I guess in a way, because we hadn't worked together before, she was a very generous with me and so when we sat down to work out what this thing was and we were very lucky because we were you know she was approached to do it and we had this opportunity which normally you're always approaching it's normally goes the other way you're always approaching publishers trying to find an opportunity so we were really lucky um we sat down to work it out and she goes so how do you do this and i said right well and i got my notebook out and i said right we know the characters we know the setting right this is what this is we need to work out the plot for the first book and she's like what and i said we need to we need to work out what happens in chapter 1 then chapter 2 and then in the middle things need to change and at the end you know we have the big climax and she's like what are you talking about <laughs> let's just write it and i'm like no she didn't say let's just write it she was actually very open to it to be honest um and so I kind of twisted her arm and we plotted it out. Um, and she ad she admits that um, that that was helpful. You know, you have to you know you have to really you know drill down on her to get her to admit that. But she it was helpful. And um, then we'd go away and uh, I would write uh, in the for the first couple I'd write the zero draft, what we we're calling the zero draft, which was just getting that basic plot. So we'd work out the plot together. Then I'd go away do the zero draft and I'd get that down. And 
send that to her and she would sort of flesh out some of the characters and make make some changes here to make it flow here and there and sort of uh, put some flesh on the bones and then she sent it back to me and um i'd find it amazing and uh and then th- that would be our first draft um but it wasn't like that makes it sound like it was um very black and white like there was a little bit of room to move with it within all that so you know she might add a chapter here or shorten a chapter there and all that sort of stuff and um so it was very collaborative but we definitely had different styles but i i think but i think she appro- how did you then write it in the sense of did you do a chapter each did you like how did you actually like yeah, you've done well, the zero draft which plotted things out yep then she would uh, she would sort of make make tweaks. So she would you know um, go go through it and you know add a few sentences here or change change some of the um, writing there and all that sort of stuff. And then add some elements to certain characters and um, you know a lot of finessing. Um, so the first the zero draft would be very basic. Okay. So there would be a lot of room for embellishing basically, and so. Um, and that's how we did the first two. And then the third one, which has been delayed till next year um, due to uh, the wonderful pandemic that we're all experiencing, um, that one, we, we changed it completely. And uh, Nick did the zero draft and then it came back to me and I did some um, tweaks and changes and added my bits and pieces. And so so we kind of got to a point where we have a we have a approach, but it was... Um, it could have gone horribly wrong. It was just lucky that we were uh, able to <laughs> work together and we were able to give each other a little bit of uh, leeway. <laughs> so uh, what sorts of things, I mean, you know, we are in a pandemic, but what sorts of things do you do to promote your work? Like are you using your, obviously, your TV skills, your video skills to, you know, to in your book promotion or are you doing other things? I've done I've done trailers from time to time, and I, I think trailers are a bit hit and miss. Sometimes, sometimes I think we might be you know talking to the bubble, and you know what? That's okay because there's a lot of great teacher librarians and parents that are already within the bubble. But I wonder sometimes whether it can it can be a heck of a lot of work uh, for sometimes little return. I guess it just it it, it could go either way. Um, so I'm, I, I'm always caught in the juggle of whether it's better to sit down and write the best book you can write mm. or carve out some of that time and um, use it to, uh, you know, do some uh, additional self-promotion. I'm always, I'm always wondering what's better there. I haven't quite got the answer, the answer yet because you could, you could say that if you write the best book you could possibly write, then – a lot, there's a lot of champions within the industry and they'll basically start promoting it for you because they're so thrilled by, by it. But, yeah. um, but by the same token, um, you can't, you also, maybe you can't rely on that. So it's always a juggling act. Um, I haven't done, uh, trailers for, uh, Derek or little legends, mm. but we did do some, we did, Nick and I did some bad acting for, um, <laughs> for, for little legends when we did the, uh, uh, book, uh, cover reveal, which was quite fun. Um, so it, the answer to that is yes and no, because I'm just not 100% convinced that it cuts through as much as you'd like when you could necessarily, you could actually be spending a bit more time actually, you know, writing rather writing than, um, yeah, rather yeah. than doing uh, a, another video. But having said that, I think the happy medium is is doing these terrific um, live streamed author 
interviews and chats and, you know, uh, sitting down and, and having a chat with people like yourself that are great champions of other people's work. Um, it doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And, um, I think you're probably going to reach similar audience. So I think you need to be, as an author, you just need to be strategic about where you put your energy. Too true. All right, so what's next? What are you working on at the moment? I'm currently working on that third Derek Duhl book. Um, so uh, the, the, the third Derek Duhl book is, yeah, as I said, Run For Your Life. It's about uh, Derek trying to uh, win the cross-country race. But uh, the cross-country race takes he and his uh, classmates through a section of their little town, which is uh, like bushland, but it's rumoured to be haunted. And there's rumours of a witch that might be lurking in the bush, and hence the title, Run For Your Life. So... Um, <laughs> That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> so. Sounds like great fun. All right, and where can people go to find out more about your work? You obviously have a lovely up-to-date website, don't you, Adrian? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I'm constantly updating that. So um, definitely definitely, uh, definitely ignore that if you want something current. <laughs> no, it's adrianbeck.com.au, but you can find me on all the socials on Adrian Beck Books um, and yeah, I'm pretty active on social media, so um, happy to chat with anyone about anything at any time. Okay. All right. And we're going to finish up today with our final question, the very important and very exciting three top tips for writers. Mm. So um, I think you gave us one earlier, but I'm wondering if that was an actual one. So what are your... <laughs> are your three top tips for writers? Adrian? I wish I could claim it, but I can't remember what it was. Um, Neither can I. Well, I'll yeah. have to listen to, the, <laughs> to listen to the interview. To it was remember. very, very good, though. I that do remember great. that part. Yeah, it was yeah. really good, yeah. Um, okay, top tips for writers. I would say tip no, – are we going three to one? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't actually matter. Okay. We'll go three to one. Number three, uh, give up all control. Yeah. Because – you might want your book to be in a particular store. You might want your, you know, your book, an ad for your book to be on the bus that goes by your street every day at midday. You might want your, you to be interviewed on the breakfast shows. But all of that is completely out of your control. Even the sell-in. You know, when the when the um, reps from the from the publishers go to the actual bookstores and try and convince them to put your book on the shelf, you you've basically got no control of that whole process, yeah. uh, even though you want to have control. But you've just got to resign to the fact that your part in it is writing the best book you can write. And as you say, Alison, then there are plenty of ways that you can uh, try and help promote it. But the rest of the stuff is completely out of your control and you've just got to stop worrying about it. Yep. It's good advice that I'm going to take on myself. Uh, <laughs> number number two, two, do not listen to anyone. Okay. <laughs> not even us? <laughs> Except for Alison Tate for and us. Valerie Koo. And always <laughs> use the words of the week in your manuscripts because when publishers see that, they will know that you are a true writer, okay? Don't go. Yeah, no, don't, that's don't a debate listen to anyone. for the ages, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> no, my favourite part of the show. I want that on record. Oh, um, stop. <laughs> no, don't listen to anyone. I should, I should clarify that. Don't only listen to people that you respect the opinion of, because there's so many people that are offering advice in the industry. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it's good, but some of it's not. So only listen to the people that you respect. And when I say don't listen to anyone. Um, 
go with your gut. Most of the time, you know the answer to the questions you're asking, and uh, you just want someone to sort of uh, agree with you. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, your gut is right. Uh, and the last one, this is number one, um, stop writing and spend time with your family. Mm. Because I can't tell you the amount of times that I have taken the kids, and this is pre-COVID, I've taken the kids to uh, play centres just so that I can get an hour or two writing done. And I think to myself, you know, they're going to turn into teenagers soon. And they're not going to want a bar of me. And I've sacrificed all this time with them as kids to try and get the, you know, the next chapter done or, you know, and I, I just think to myself, you've got to get your priorities right. These, these are all good tips for myself, I think. Um, and I'm going to listen <laughs> back to this episode. I'm going to write them down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think get your priorities right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, write, uh, you know, and I know people say, sometimes people say, you know, you've got to be selfish with your writing. You do have to be selfish with your writing. But, uh, you know, that old that old saying about when you're on your deathbed and they say, um, you know, no one ever says, I wish I'd worked more. I don't know whether people would say, I wish I'd written that one more chapter either, you know. Yeah. So get your priorities straight is my, come on, people, get your priorities straight. <laughs> I was going to say, yep. What? Oh, and I've remembered what your bonus tip was too. Yeah, what's my bonus tip? Your that bonus was an tip was attach yourself to a, a to a high-profile yes. person and go in under the under the radar. That's right. Yeah. The so. best best advice I can give to anyone is yeah, um, suck up to famous people <laughs> and ride on their coattails. Beautiful. Okay. All right, Adrian Beck, thank you so much for your time today. It's been highly entertaining and I'm sure we've all learnt a lot. I'm going to go and write down all of your tips immediately. And um, good luck with Derek Duell. Hope he's hope he has many, many adventures to come. Thank you very much, Alison. There we go, Adrian Beck. And, of course, I love it how he worked, he collaborated with Nicole Hayes, who is a presenter of creative writing at the Australian Writers' Centre, on the book they did together, Little Legends. Well, yes, and I also liked the fact that they took such different approaches to mm. it and the fact that Nicole is such a mad pantser just made mm. me laugh so much, um, particularly when he is someone who, you know, is is looking at spreadsheets and creating plots and, and she's like, well, why don't we just start and see what happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so we've come to the end of this week's podcast. What are you doing in the coming week? Uh, that's a good question. I am writing my book, I think. I think that's my plan yes. anyway. Let's see how we go with that because, okay. as we've discovered, the best laid plans often go astray. But, yes, I'm working on my book. What about you? What are you working on, Val? I am having a little break, sort of. I mean, kind of like a Kind of like a half a break. Well, sort of a break, but I'll still answer emails. All right. Yeah, so the break really. where I answer emails. So not really a break. So what are you going to be doing mm. in your not quite a break? I'm going to be reading. Are you? I what are you going to, are going to be reading your dictionary? Is this? Is, no. Did you have to take a week <laughs> off to read the doorstopper dictionary? No. Um, mm. I, I know it sounds really indulgent, but the reality is I haven't had a break in a long time and mm. I've been going, you know, on eight cylinders mm. and I'm a little bit tired and I do need to have a little bit, bit of a break. So I am 
even though I'm going to answer emails, but only in certain times of day, I also realized uh, that I have my to be read pile, which is growing bigger, 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 bigger. And I just realized that my greatest desire in life at the moment is to be in a comfortable spot where all I do is read the books that I just really want to read. Okay. I know that sounds really indulgent, which is why I'm going to assuage some of that guilt by answering some work emails. Um, And I'm just going to read. Okay. How I'll probably you, like, do some writing as well, but really I'm going to read. I just have to ask though, how are you going to stop yourself? Because the thing that I find if I attempt to do this sort of activity where I have a week off and I'm just going to like read, mm-hmm. and I'm but I'm not leaving home and, you know, life goes on and I might have to answer emails. How are you mm-hmm. going to stop yourself from suddenly losing four hours because you're answering emails and, you know, okay, updating your you social how. media? I'll tell you how. Um, okay. I am leaving home. Oh. I am going to um, a place that has such bad internet that um. you can only answer emails and you can't. Now, this is the thing that might stress me out, but I'm I'm bracing myself for it. Oh, I'm, you know, preparing for it. You can't stream. <sighs> so you can't stream oh. Netflix or stuff like that. Well, you you probably could try, but it's going to be a bad experience. And even the email, it's not going to be a great experience. So um, that's how. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah, that sounds so reasonable. going to be an interesting exercise because I do love my Netflix. It is going to be interesting. Anyway. Yes. Um, I shall report back. Keep. I was going to say keep us posted on how you go with that. I will. All right. So where do we find you online now? You'll find me um, at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where, do we, well, where won't we find you this week because you'll be very busy reading in a corner somewhere. That's right. I'm going to be um, – you can find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscenter.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.